0: You're listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Hello, and welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. My name is Mary Clark, staff writer for the win, and you can follow me on Twitter at Mary C. Clark. I'm here with Andrew Berkshire, NHL analyst for the Montreal Gazette. You can follow on Twitter at Andrew Berkshire. On this Thursday edition of the Crosscheck, We'll check in on the status of a handful of unvaccinated players across the NHL and what it means for their teams going forward. Kuro Kaprizov also re-signed in Minnesota, ending one of our last remaining sagas of the offseason. And also, Jack Eichel is no longer captain of the Buffalo Sabres. Plus, we'll continue our offseason Locked On NHL crossovers with interviews with Nick Morgan of Locked On Predators and Dane Lewis of Locked On Stars. So Andrew, before we start off today's show, how you doing?
1: I'm doing alright. I am, uh excited to get this season going honestly I think now that things are starting to trickle together and you're seeing training camps open not just rookie camp actual training camps have opened now across the NHL I can't believe that there's preseason games like this Saturday yeah, yeah. like we are a couple days away from preseason and that is mind-blowing to me because I don't I know this was a short break but it felt like it was going to feel longer just because like you know We've got other things going. We had this huge project that we were doing. There's a lot of organizing and a lot of time. And, you know, there's like the COVID stuff going on where everything seems to take longer anyway. It's like you're stuck in a fog. But uh, we're here. It's it's about to go down. Yeah. And I can't wait.
0: Yeah, same. Uh, I think it also felt a little bit different because the sh- schedule was shifted. So it just yes. kind of like threw off our perception of time a little bit. I mean, because in a normal year, we'd have been in training camps for a little while now, right? Am I like making that up? Like it's usually like... like
1: It's like, yeah, beginning of September, right? Because yeah. the, the season's starting October 12th. And uh, Locked On is doing a big preview show that day as well, so we should probably (laughs) promote that on the podcast, considering we are hosting it. Yep, this is true. (laughs) Mary and I. So uh, on October 12th, we're going to do that. But uh, usually the season starts around like October 1st.
0: Yeah, it's like early October.
1: Yeah, very early October. So it's delayed a little under two weeks, which is not that much, but it's enough to throw off your perception a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially, I mean, I know we've had, you know, shifting schedules because of the COVID season, but it's still, you know, a little bit weird to see the NHL shift its schedule that way. So, you know, uh, exciting times, though. I mean, there's been a lot of news, even in the, the couple of days since we talked. I mean, I think I mentioned, you know, Kaprizov still not signing on our last episode, and then lo and behold, he signs, I think, maybe that same day. Uh, so, you know, it's just... Things keep on coming, but we've kind of, we kind of have more of like a grab bag, I guess, news uh, today just because of the way our show is scheduled with, you know, finishing up the interviews uh, we've got. So, the first thing I have on the list is there's a handful of NHL players who have already declined the vaccine across the league. Um, There's at least two big ones that have specific consequences for them Uh, Tyler Bertuzzi of the Detroit Red Wings is not vaccinated and won't play in uh, the Canadian games already. That's already been mentioned from the outset. And then Zach Ronaldo of the Columbus Blue Jackets was disinvited from training camp altogether because he's not vaccinated. So Yeah, not
1: only is he not vaccinated, but he spoke at a essentially the fascist party in Canada, uh, a rally for them during the last election cycle here that just ended on Monday. Which, for a player who I believe was on a professional tryout, not smart. No,
0: not smart. Not smart. I completely forgot, though, that Ronaldo was bouncing around the league. Uh, yeah, it's been some time since he's really done anything obnoxious because he used to be like one of those players, like a Tom Wilson, where he'd make a hit every like five games and people would be upset. Uh, but it's-
1: yeah, but I mean, unlike Tom Wilson, he was playing like three minutes a night, and his entire job was to do that. Yes. Whereas Tom Wilson played twenty, so like per minute of nhl time played his cheap shots are high true i actually saw a pretty good tweet that was like it's the first cheap shot he's ever passed up
0: oh dang that is really that is really good uh it's just been some time since i've heard of him in the league i almost thought he was either in the ahl or had retired to be completely honest i think it's been sometimes he
1: hasn't played a lot right yeah i I don't think he played like one game for the flames last year maybe
0: something like that yeah four
1: games okay Okay. i mean so he's played 23 games in the last two years, and 23 games in 2018-19. So, 46 games in three years, there's, there's a reason why we haven't heard of him.
0: Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Uh, so, those are like the two facing major consequences, at least that I've seen so far. You can chime in, Andrew, if I've missed something.
1: Yes, there's also Josh Archibald for the Edmonton Oilers. I wasn't going who... to say,
0: I was going to, I I was going to mention it, but I wasn't sure if it was confirmed. I know people were kind of dancing around it, so I didn't want to... It's
1: confirmed now. Okay. Uh, it's been reported by uh, several people in Edmonton media, uh, Mark Spector for Sportsnet, released a blistering story uh, about how selfish the decision is, especially considering you have a, a player on the Oilers who won't be playing this year, Alex Stalock, who caught COVID last year and is now being held out due to uh, essentially heart conditions res- as a result of long COVID. So you've got somebody on your team who you've seen the results of catching this illness and you're still refusing to help protect your other teammates. And I know people are saying, oh, well, they're vaccinated. Listen, that lowers the risk. And even if they do catch it, it lowers the chance of being ill. It doesn't make it zero. Yeah. And with these variants that are going around now, every single person who is infected has the potential to create a new variant, mm-hmm. right? It's unlikely, yes. But the more people that are infected, the more likely we have a new variant that's more lethal, that can get through vaccines, so we've got to get this stuff done. And yeah, Josh Archibald, unless he reverses des- his decision, which I know that a uh, Canadian's AHL player uh, prospect, Jesse Yalonen recently uh, was anti-vax and he's reversed his decision and I believe is, has got the shot or is going to get the shot. But uh, all these players who are doing this, like you literally cannot say you're a good teammate and be anti-vax. Yeah, but it's like the worst thing you could do for your team. But
0: Andrew, it's a personal choice, and they're just doing their research.
1: Oh my god! I swear, like I put out a blast this morning on Twitter because I, I tweeted about the Alex Staylock thing and how awful it is mm-hmm. that he's like a 34 year old athlete, and his career might be over because of a, a freaking illness that he had, no legitimate way to avoid getting. Right? Like we don't know how he got it, but like he was in the NHL protocols. It's It happened. It's unlikely and it still happened to him. And all these people, like anybody who posts anything anti-vax towards me on Twitter, you're being blocked immediately. Like I'm not engaging with you. I'm not even going to mute you because I want you to know that you're not worth my time. Yeah. And I feel like we all need to adopt this approach with this like 5 to 10% of people who are just like out-and-out extremists. You're not going to change their mind by talking to them. All they're doing is sucking you in wasting your time, pissing you off, and then you will share their message by engaging with them, Mm -hmm. right? So it's just cut the cord. Those people can go live in the woods. I don't care. (laughs) You know, (laughs) get out of our lives. That's a
0: good way to put it, Andrew. Uh, But we won't go too long on this. Uh, But there are other players also that will be vaccinated by the start of the season. So Duncan Keith and Edmonton... Either has his first shot already, or
1: he got the Johnson and Johnson. Okay, so, he so he's only got in. So he's in
0: quarantine, then I believe, right? Yes. Okay, and then William Nylander in Toronto, I believe, is getting two shots and was like in. But I thought he was. Uh, that's what I saw, but I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure if he has got his second shot and is also in quarantine, or if he's waiting the two weeks to get his second shot and just got his first shot. I haven't seen a exact report on the goings on there. But both those players obviously were hesitant and then were convinced to get the shot. Didn't, I feel like Nylander... I two lines on that. I feel that.
0: like Nylander... I feel like I saw this, uh, that he had a medical reason not to get it. So I don't want to like oh, okay. be dis- disingenuous. I'll look it up while you do that, because so, I don't want to you know, be disingenuous about this.
1: So. Yeah, I mean, anybody who has a medical reason, obviously that's not who we're talking about with this, right? And there are very, very few medical reasons not to get the shot, like... It's, it's a pretty damn safe vaccine as far like vaccines are safe anyway. And this one is extremely safe because of the way it's been developed. So I'm of two minds with the whole Duncan Keith thing and William Nylander obviously will reserve judgment. I think that we have to give credit to people who acquiesce, right? Because as as long as they're eventually making that decision, if you continue to crap on them, you're just showing everybody else who's hesitant that, like, no matter what they do, they're still going to be criticized, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, I'm like, it took you this long to to figure it out, yeah, <laughs> you know? And- like, it, it's like you're annoyed, but also you have to just leave it,
0: yeah. Exactly. But Nylander said, uh, I'm pulling this from Sportsnet. He said, I'm not fully vaccinated yet. I had a couple of medical things that I, that I had to take care, of, but I'll be vaccinated by the beginning of the season. So maybe okay. it's some sort of surgery, some sort of, I don't know, some, something that required him not to get it because of, you know, medical reasons that, that's a yep. legitimately valid reason. So you're fine.
1: No reason to distrust. Yeah, that.
0: exactly. Um, so it's just really interesting so far. The, uh, the names we've gotten, uh, I mean, we were gonna know the players that were unvaccinated just by whether they were able to make trips to Canada or whatnot. Yes, so, yeah. um it's been interesting seeing, you know, the how many players we've gotten, but there really hasn't been too many in like
1: No, less than I thought, honestly. Mm-hmm. I mean, considering how far right wing the player base of the NHL is, just like Look at your favorite NHL players' Twitter likes. Uh, You're not going to feel that good about it. (laughs) Like, a lot of them, it's pretty bad. So, considering how many of them follow people like Candace Owens and Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson, I'm surprised that it's this low. But I think it comes down to the fact that they're going to, if they didn't, they would lose a boatload of salary. Like, Tyler Bertuzzi stands to lose over $400,000 this year because of not getting vaccinated. That's a choice. You know, bad choice. And also, I think it it can't play very well in the room, mm-hmm. right, to be that selfish. So I, I think there's pressures on them to do that and do the right thing, even though uh, a lot of them are probably not happy about it. But
0: too bad. <laughs> too bad. I so hate sad. to say that the NHL kind of did this right. We're kind of like. Yeah, they did. It's weird to say that, but we had mentioned like their incredible, like incredibly restrictive um stuff for players that are unvaccinated but basically having to like publicly name them essentially if you're a team because you know of everything that they have to go through um is i don't know we'll see if it works but it's been it's i actually just can't believe the initial kind of got this right (laughs) in that regard yeah
1: i i can because there's too much money at stake Uh, that makes sense they lost a lot of money over the last two seasons this year they're walking a tightrope with the schedule trying to do the olympics and the All-Star game so everything's compressed. So they don't want to deal with any COVID stoppages at all because it throws everything in the loop or out of the loop and uh it could cause them to miss the Olympics, right? Like they've left that door open that if they can't reschedule games in a timely manner, they're going to schedule during the Olympic break. So there's a lot of pressure on the NHL to get this right and do the right thing it's all motivated by money i don't think <laughs> like i want to give the nhl credit for doing the right thing but also it's i fine. think we know realistically they're a giant corporation and that's mm-hmm. what actually drives them yeah you're right unfortunately yeah
0: it does suck that it, that's the way it is but at least the nhl seems to be safer in terms of you know COVID protocols for this yes um i don't have a full list of all the teams that will be 100 percent vaccinated but i know what the flyers are because i announced it but there's a whole bunch of teams i'm pretty sure that announced it but um Obviously, there will be more news to come out about this as, you know, training camp rolls, are, like, keeps rolling on. Uh, but I'm going to move us on from that uh, to talk a little bit about Kuro Kaprizov signing a five-year, $45 million deal, uh, which is a $9 million AAV. AAV. Um, hefty deal for Kaprizov, oh, yes. who only ha- play has played 55 games in the NHL, but he was effective. He had 27 goals and 51 points in those 55 games, but that is a hefty, hefty contract for somebody who um has played very very few games
1: yeah he i mean he he was great last year Mm -hmm. he's in the prime of his career so i have to say like will he be worth this contract i think that they're paying him for what he can do now as opposed to the usual ufa overpayment of paying what they for what they've already done but this is quite the like outlandish contract for what he's accomplished I in think the NHL so far. part
0: of it is definitely because they didn't want him to flee to the KHL.
1: Oh, 100%. So they, they're
0: absolutely paying a huge premium, you know, just because they're like, please don't go to the KHL. Our team is finally interesting for the first time in forever. We need you. Uh, so, you know, good on Kaprizov for getting that money. Um, we'll see if it, you know, raises the bar for other players in the future, because that is... Uh, how old is he? He's like 20, 24, 25, I believe. He's like in his mid I'm not sure. He's that. in his mid-20s, I believe. So Twenty-four. Twenty-four. Okay, cool. So it might raise the bar a little bit for you know some players on the market. So we'll see if that kind of moves things around. But interesting deal. Um we kind of we kind of knew it was gonna be done um when we talked um to locked on wild a couple of weeks ago. Not that long ago. Uh so basically it was all but assured that he was coming back it was just the number and the term that were really the you know big factors but it is a big payday and i really hope he continues to shine in minnesota because like i said he made the wild incredibly watchable just by his presence alone and
1: and that is a feat
0: yes and that is a feat and that will pay in you know getting people into the stands getting people paying for merch of his yep so um, i think it's a price you need to pay but Boy, is it a hefty one! And they are taking—it's a worthy gamble, and yeah, I was gonna say they're taking a risk. But considering what he's shown, I think it's a pretty—it's more likely than not to turn out in the positive than the negative, in my opinion. But I'm not a betting person, as we'll t- we'll talk about later. But uh, final thing, though, I think before we move on to our interviews is this just came out Thursday morning, but Jack Eichel is no longer the captain of the Buffalo Sabers after failing his physical at training camp. Um and obviously it all stems over Eichel and the surgery with his herniated disc. Uh Eichel wants one thing, the team wants another. Um it is some sort of quote unquote experimental surgery that Eichel wants, but it's only experimental, I think, because no other NHL no other NHLers have had this surgery before. So there's there's a whole bunch of background to the story. We've kind of been over it before. Um, So that is interesting. And I think really tanks any value, you know, Buffalo is going to try and even get out of Eichel this year in terms of a trade.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's pretty obvious now they're not going to get value for Jack Eichel, which sucks for that organization. I've seen a lot of people including like our buddy Steve Dangle was talking about how like the Sabres are clown shoes for this decision. I feel like Stripping Eichel of the captaincy is, like, they can't not do that.
0: It's very petty, though. It
1: it is petty, but, like, he's not going to be part of the team this year. It is basically his responsibility to himself that he has to hold out, Mm -hmm. right? So if he's going to hold out, he can't be the captain. And it looks awful optically, but if they want to be taken seriously within their own locker room they can't have their captain actively saying, I don't want to be part of this team.
0: Yeah. I mean, like so I get it. I
1: understand it. It just also really looks bad on them. Yeah,
0: I get it. But it, the optics are not great at all. This whole thing is no. just, it's just it's a
1: giant. Mess. It's a
0: giant mess. It's very, I don't know. I, in times like these, I like side with the player because like, I, I'm, oh, I'm not sure what the point is from keeping Eichel to like, I don't know. I'm still not sure what the point is from keeping Eichel from not getting the surgery he wants. But if they had let him get it, it's very likely he would have been back, possibly by the time the season started, and we would. This all could have been avoided. I don't know. It just feels like the Sabers bungled this whole thing in a way. I'm not really. I don't know all the full details of it because this whole thing has, you know, multiple different sides. I mean, I listened to the 31 Thoughts podcast um, episode where they had one of the doctors on, but then I know people were like, oh, that's incredibly biased towards Jack Eichel. So I'm like, at this point, like everybody's ta- taken in their sides, but I am on the side of Eichel here. I just don't understand why the Sabres let it get to this point. Because <laughs> this is clearly the worst case scenario, in my opinion. Like, they're not going to get anything for Eichel. And... But, like, I don't know. I don't know if you have any opinions on this, Andrew, but I'm, I still don't know. No, understand. I mean,
1: I'm I'm with you 100%. Like, this situation, it can't have not been avoidable. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, nothing gets this exacerbated out of nowhere. Obviously, Eichel is part of that, right? There's two sides to every story. But I don't know. Maybe we need to, like, get a medical professional on some sort of, like, a back surgeon specifically to talk about the difference between these two procedures and what the outlooks are for like Eichel's career. Cause what I can understand just from other people talking about it is that the surgery that the Sabres wanted to do would allow Eichel to come back quicker. Whereas the surgery that Eichel wants to do would be better for his long-term career, but also carries more risk. So I would I would like maybe at some point in the next couple of weeks here we should try to get somebody on who can actually speak to the details of these two procedures and explain the whole situation from a medical perspective.
0: Mm-hmm. No, it makes sense. If any medical professionals are listening, please yes. do not beat. If
1: you're if you're a surgeon, <laughs> a spinal surgeon, <laughs> do
0: not hesitate to hit us up because we don't know anything about you know, medical procedures. We are definitely not doctors here, and we are not playing ones on television. Uh, But I think we're going to end this out. Um, He's going on to injured reserve to start the season. Who knows when he'll see the ice again, how long he'll be part of the Sabres organization. There's still a lot up in the air in in that regard. Um, But absolutely one of the biggest stories coming into this year, um, for sure. And definitely means that the Sabres are on my watch list of the season not to watch their games but like I'm paying attention to them at all times because this could be like from I don't know how Sabres fans feel about this whole thing if they believe that you know Eichel needs to go or that Eichel was mistreated by the organization but there's there's a lot of friction here it feels like uh so it definitely feels like this can still come to a head in some capacity so I'm Absolutely paying attention to that as the season starts because this is uh, one of the biggest messes we've seen in some time in the NHL, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it's it. I mean, I can't even remember something that's been this bad. Maybe like Eric Lindros with the Flyers. Yeah,
0: and uh, that was as we have said before my time. So (laughs) yes,
1: I mean, geez, that's almost before my time. Like it was a long, long time. And
0: definitely in social media, obviously was not a thing back then. So it's one of the biggest things we've had in the NHL in some time, but. From here, though, we're going to move to talking to two members, two new members of the Locked On family. We've got interviews with Nick Morgan of Locked On Predators and Dane Lewis of Locked On Stars coming up next. Bet Online is back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With the new updated site and interface... Even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline AG continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit, just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Promo code locked on. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch games live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbors' best friends login for the good stuff. Well I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before, so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. Today with Andrew and me, it's Mary Clark. We've got new Locked on Predators host, Nick Morgan. Hello, Nick. How are you doing? Welcome to the Locked On team. Uh, we're super excited to have you. Uh, so how you doing?
2: Mary, Andrew, I'm doing great. Thank you for the welcome. We're talking hockey. You can't beat
3: that.
0: Yeah, I absolutely 100% agree. Um, and I know on today's episode, we've been talking about a lot of hockey news because it's, it's really and truly back. We're right in the big swing of things right now with you know training camps are online news is breaking left and right uh it's really fun out here right now in you know a hockey land and it's only going to get better as we get closer and closer to the season and then when we get to puck drop uh in uh, in october uh so obviously i've said you're new but you're not new to the predators uh so can you tell us who is in and who is out so far this off season for the predators as we start to move towards the season
2: well, the, the biggest name out, unfortunately for many of us Preds fans, is Pekka Rene. I mean, last year, not the biggest impact, although still a very good goaltender. Uh, but anytime that you have probably the best player in your team history, if the Predators had a Mount Rushmore, he'd be on it four times, let's be honest. Um, you know, he, he's gone on to greener pastures Retiring. It's UC Saros' team now, and it felt like the right timing, but it's still going to be weird for the first time since 2005 not to look at the training camp roster and see 35 on it. That one hurt a little bit, to be honest. Um, you know, just from a game standpoint, the other, the other departure that's going to be the biggest impact this year is Ryan Ellis. I mean, how often do you have a guy in your top defensive pair traded away for, for two young guys? Uh, Philip Myers comes in from Philadelphia. He might have that number one defensive spot. Not sure. That's going to be something to watch in training camp is who's on that number one line with Roman Yossi. Uh, And then the other guy gone that's a big impact from last year is Victor Arvidsson, the team's all-time single season goal scorer, uh, record holder. He's off to L.A. after I would say a bad couple of years, never really looked right after his injury uh, in 2019. Didn't really look like he fit into John Hines' system. Uh, He's in Los Angeles now. Uh, One guy to replace him is Cody Glass from the Vegas Golden Knights. He is somebody that didn't really hit his potential in Vegas, but then again, when you're playing behind a team as stacked as the Golden Knights, it's kind of hard to find ice time there. He's going to get more of a chance in Nashville, whether they decide to use him as maybe the number two center, maybe put him on the wing with somebody like Ryan Johansson or Matt Duchesne. There's a lot of different ways they can use him.
0: Yeah. And the Predators were part were one half, basically, of one of the most exciting trades you mentioned, you know, Ryan Ellis. And then, of course, you guys flipped. Uh, some players over to Vegas Uh, so that was like a really one of the really fun trades of the summer for me I mean not just because I'm a Flyers fan and getting Ryan Ellis was actually (laughs) you know really cool uh, but you got some really interesting players back in that uh, trade but I wanted to touch on uh, Matt Duchesne uh, on the team who hasn't really hit expectations I think for many Predators fans Uh, can you talk a little bit about you know he's 30 years old now going into the season he's I guess now on the wrong side of 30 if you're going to you know classify it that way um what are you hoping for from this season because he hasn't done too too much in his time with the Predators um since you know joining in 2019-20 He's had 42 points in 66 games, and then last year, only 13 points in 34 games. So it's really been kind of up and down, definitely hasn't met expectations. So can you talk a little bit about what you want to see from Duchesne this year?
2: Yeah, well, it's kind of the old debate in Nashville the past couple of years. Is Matt Duchesne just not very good right now, or is he just not being used in the right way? And there's arguments for both. I mean, you saw him... Uh, back when he was kind of on the third line last year, towards the end of the year, he was making unbelievable plays, taking guys one-on-one in corners. He would set up somebody perfectly from the corner, wide open net, and then they just, whoever it is, whether it's Tanner Janot or um, Brad Richardson, just whiff on the shot or just shoot it straight at the goalie. So there's issues like that where, hey, maybe if you had – a better sniper, a better pure goal scorer with Duchesne. Some of those plays might result in points or goals or just some added offense for Nashville. Um, For me, I think he's going to play best when he's with Philip Forsberg And, and whether that's centering Philip Forsberg, whether that's on a wing next to Ryan Johansson, we kind of saw that in the playoffs last year, the Preds took their three main guys and kind of made a super line, but that he's always played best when he's with Forsberg, and that's you know probably true for everybody else on the Predators of his roster. I mean, Forsberg is the guy that seemingly brings the best out of other players on the line. Um, but this is going to be a make or break year for Duchesne. He's he's got to step it up. If the Preds want to even entertain a chance in the postseason, he's shown flashes. He just needs to find that consistency, and he needs people that can finish his plays.
0: Yeah, and he's one of the you know the top paid players on the Predators too, and you've got him for I believe one, two, three, four, five more years, including obviously including this year at eight million. So that's a hefty contract to live up to. Um, so there's definitely going to be a lot of pressure on him to perform. But you had mentioned earlier that UC Saros is now, you know, this is his team now. Uh, last year he had a nine twenty seven save percentage in thirty six games, playing the bulk of the work for the Predators. But also behind him now, you've got David Rittich, uh, who signed on a one-year, uh, $1.25 million contract. Uh, what do you think the workload will be like? Is this uh, Saros' team like completely? Is he going to see like the same amount of, I guess, percentage of work? Um, or are they going to go with like a sort of a platoon system? Or is it Saros' team from here on out?
2: Well, that's the million-dollar question, because we really don't know. We haven't seen Saros go, go through a full 82-game season as the number one guy, hey, you can argue we really haven't seen him go through any of the last two shortened seasons as the number one guy from start to finish. I mean, he split time with Rene in the first couple months last year before he on the run. So it's very, the jury's still out on how much of a workload Saros can maintain while still being his optimal self. You know, some goalies like Pekka Rene put him out there for 70 games a year and, you know, they'll still finish as fresh as ever other goaltenders, you know, put them out there for 55, kind of a shorter workload and still, you know, be very efficient in those 55 games. There's no really right or wrong answer. It's just, we don't know that what we're going to get from Saros yet. I would say early on Riddick is going to get his fair share of starts in Nashville, probably, you know, maybe once every three or four games. And then, you know, if UC Saros can, you know, continue the form he had last year, get off to a strong start and start going on those big stretches where he's just turning himself into a brick wall, I think you may see him get more of the workload as the season goes on.
0: Yeah, that makes sense to me. Um, But we mentioned all of these changes, you know, from, you know, goalies to important players leaving. But what hasn't changed is the head coach. You guys still have John Hines as the head coach. Um, and he was named head coach back in 2020. Uh, and last year was, I believe, his first full season uh, with the team where he led you guys to, you know, the first round of the playoffs because you made it in the central division uh, above the cutoff. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what his team is going to be like this year with these changes? Is he going to make some you know, stylistic changes considering, you know, you don't have your number one defenseman anymore and the goalie you've had for forever and ever. Uh, do you see anything changing in that regard or are you going to keep John Heinz's style for the foreseeable future?
2: I think this is a team built more in John Heinz's image. And, and you talk about the transition from Pierre LaViolette to John Heinz. Uh, and, and when the Preds started to struggle last year, you kind of heard... Um, in fact, it was actually Rachel Dory on another podcast. We were talking to her about the Preds. Uh, she said this team looks like a team that hasn't had the Peter Laviolette beaten out of them yet, and <laughs> you know I think that was true. You kind of saw a lot of a lot of times the Preds diverting back to the Laviolette style, just wild shots from the point, kind of high volume shots, but not really necessarily high danger shots. That kind of changed as the year went on. You know, John Hines is somebody who wants to play a little bit more of a gritty style, uh, a little bit more traffic in front and, you know, a little less reliance on just, you know, kind of shoot and crash the net, go for deflections and stuff like that. So I think this team is maybe better equipped to handle the way the Predators want to play. It's just a matter of if the big guns, you know, Ryan Johansson, Matt Duchesne, if they can kind of adapt and play the way Hines wants them to play.
0: Yeah, makes sense. Uh, And I do remember, though, he was not a controversial hire, but definitely not a hire people wanted, I guess, at the time, because, you know, his time in New Jersey didn't really, you know, seem to spark anything. It was just a very weird choice considering at the time, there are a bunch of other different coaches on the market. Has, you know, the fan base, I guess, warmed up to him a little bit more? I mean, I know you guys lost in the first rounds last year, but has there been, you know, a li- has the fan base kind of warmed up to him a bit?
2: Uh, well, as a social media manager for on the four check and looking at the tweets and Facebook comments, I can tell you uh There is a very strong no for a very sizable amount of the fan base. I personally like John Hines. I think he's a guy who has a very clear vision of how he wants his team to play. Um, I would argue maybe it took a while for players to kind of buy into what he wanted to do. I think that might have been an issue towards some of Hines' slow start. But at the end of the day, it's going to be results. And if the Predators do not get to where internally they think they should be, then that's when you're starting to see John Hines maybe pop up on the hot seat a little bit. But at the same time, he has a very good relationship with David Poyle. He seems to be a guy that's very well connected in the circles the Preds want to be in. So I think he's going to get a pretty long leash, especially – considering the next couple of years might be strong quote unquote rebuilding years for the Preds.
0: It's a perfect segue into at least the last question I want to ask. I don't know about Andrew after this, but for me, uh, the last question we've been asking all of these hosts is expectations. You've mentioned that these are probably rebuilding years, but we're going back into, you know, the divisions we've seen before and in, in the central we've now added the Arizona coyotes, but you know, you're back with your Chicago's your Dallas's your Minnesotas. uh, So what are the Predators' expectations this season from the fans, from management? uh, Are you expecting young players to step up? You said this is a rebuilding year. uh, So what are the expectations this year?
2: Well, David Poyle called it a competitive rebuild. He thinks that he can kind of revamp the team while still keeping the Preds sort of in that playoff picture. Whether or not he really believes that or whether or not that's really going to happen is up for debate. Um, But at the same time, this is a Predators team that their future is going to be determined by a lot of X factors. This isn't a glaring playoff team right now. But, you know, if UC Saros goes on the run he went last year, if all of a sudden Duchesne, Forsberg, Johansson, they flip the switch and get back to where they were a couple of years ago, all of a sudden you have a very powerful offense. If Philippe Myers comes in and really handles the load as that kind of Uh, that compliment to Roman Yossi. All of a sudden you have your top defensive core. And then the biggest X factor is just going to be Philip Tomasino, uh, the Preds first rounder from 2019. There's a very strong inkling that he's going to at least start the year with the Predators. He's a dynamo. He has excelled in every level of hockey he's played at so far. Uh, He scored 32 points in just 29 games as a rookie last year in the AHL. So the Preds have big things for him. If he can get like, you know, that very random, and this is a tall order, but you know, if he can kind of get those Cole Caulfield numbers right off the bat, all of a sudden the Predators are a very different team than they looked at the end of last year.
0: Yeah. Uh, Makes sense to me and definitely going to be a bit of a transition year for the predators, I think, but competitive rebuild, I think is maybe the best way to put it. Uh, Andrew, do you have any more questions before we let Nick uh, go on his way?
1: Let's put Nick on the spot and we'll, uh, we'll say prediction time, Nick. All right. Playoffs or no playoffs for the predators. In my heart of hearts, I'm going to say no playoffs.
2: I think, I think they are going to show improvement. I think improvement is going to be the key to judge this season's success, but I, I think the Central has too many pretty good teams this year. Yeah, i with sure.
0: you. Mm-hmm. Makes sense to me. All right, so before we let you go, Nick, please plug your stuff. Uh, you know, like we said, new to the new to the Locked On Network. So please let everybody know where they can find you in the podcast and everything.
2: Yeah, sure thing. Uh, we're gonna start up the uh, the Locked On Predators podcast hopefully within the next week. Uh, in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at underscore NSMorgan, and you can also read my work over at onthe dot
0: com. right, perfect. Well, we'll be back uh, the rest of our show after this. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Light and door often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer choosing only the brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Rockauto.com is a family business, serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks, delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low, and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in there. how-did-you-hear-about-us box that they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com
1: Welcome back to the Crosscheck NHL show. I'm here with a new member of the Locked On Podcast Network, Dane Lewis from Locked On Stars. How's it going, Dane?
3: I'm doing great. Thanks
1: for having me on the show.
3: I'm glad to be here.
1: It's my pleasure. We're excited to talk stars with you today. Obviously, uh, this was a season that didn't go the way that the stars wanted it to after a really miraculous run to the Stanley Cup final the season before. How are you feeling about this season going into it? Are uh, you, you excited for it or are you more like, uh, trepidatious.
3: <laughs> I I would say, um, my initial thoughts on the season are, I am very excited, um, to, to see what the season has to offer. Just like you said, with such a tough season last year, um, I don't think our guys had the proper amount of time, um, to recover just with how many injuries we were fighting. I know that was the case for several teams, um, just with injuries and and a huge ice storm that hit Dallas halfway through the season, canceling games. Um, It was just hard for the team to find a rhythm. So I think this season um, with, you know, five months of rest and um, guys getting to fully recover from injuries and kind of spend time away from the game for a little bit, I think the team will get to come back refreshed. Um, And so I'm excited to see how they compete in what I believe is the most competitive division um, in the NHL for this coming season.
1: Yeah, it, like you said, I mean, the the break that they had last year was short. The break they had this year was very long. They had the ice storm. They had uh, a COVID situation at the beginning of last year that held mm-hmm. the stars out while everyone else started the season. So <laughs> yeah. it was like, it was a chaotic year for everyone, but I think the stars were a special case. But getting into the, the nitty gritty of the roster here, uh, compared to last year, who's in and who's out?
3: Man it's, it's just so tough because like, like you said, like we were talking about it's just such a tough year. So you, you almost want to give guys kind of a pass for, for what last season was as far as performance, um, man, but obviously, uh, we're talking about guys who are in and in for the long haul. I'm excited to see guys like Miro Hayskinen kind of make a return, um, to the roster as well as Jason Robertson coming off a, a Calder trophy campaign, obviously not winning it. Um, but, but getting, uh, in the top three, as far as finalists goes, um, man, as far as guys who are kind of out and probably not going to be seeing um, too much time at the NHL level, I think I know Ty DeLandria kind of got off to a hot start last season for Dallas. Um, But but I think he just kind of regressed as the year went on. And um, so I'm I'm excited to see kind of where his potential takes him, um, just because he is a young guy. And I know he played um, a little bit for us in the the Traverse City tournament that that took place in Michigan last weekend. Um, So I'm kind of excited to see Uh, how he develops as well as some of the other young guys on that roster who I don't think are quite um, ready for the NHL, but will continue to um, develop at the AHL level and and kind of um, be evaluated by our coaches for, for the Texas stars.
1: Yeah. I feel like Jason Robertson was a guy that uh, because of the way the NHL was played out last year with everything was interdivision play or or intra division play uh, a lot of people outside of the stars division probably don't know how good jason robertson is so it's almost like for the rest of the nhl a new player entering the league right like Uh, we know that he was nominated for the calder but i don't think people realize how good of a play driver how good of a point producer an offensive guy and a defensive guy jason robertson is so he's somebody who's very exciting to look into and i think was it am i incorrect i think rupe hints was the uh, suffering for, from some pretty serious injuries in the playoff run and into last season, right?
3: Yes, yes, that's correct. And I think it was even affecting him into the season, which was just disappointing because he's, again, one of our, our younger guys that shows a lot of potential. One of my favorite players to watch just because of the way he moves on the ice. He's so quick um, and aggressive in his movements. But, yeah, another guy that I think will hopefully, barring injury, kind of get to, to put the league on notice as far as just his talent level and what he can do.
1: Yeah, and it seems like last year was kind of seen as a bit of a write-off from general manager Jim Nill. I think there was like some understanding that it was a a bit of an outlier season. Uh, Tyler Sagan missed a ton of time. You know, like there was so many injuries that they had to battle through in the COVID situation. There haven't been a lot of changes, and Rick Bonus is still in charge uh, despite the underwhelming results. Do you see that the Stars will play essentially the same system going into this season, or you think they're going to look to make some changes?
3: I, I think starting out, I, it would not surprise me if the stars kind of play the same hockey they've been playing ever since Rick bonus took over um, in the middle of the 2019, 2020 season, just because, um, I mean, obviously it was working in, in 2020 um, making a run to the Stanley cup. And then obviously we, there was a little bit of uh, fallback the following season. Um, but I think with the roster staying the same with obviously new additions like Ryan Souter from Minnesota, um, uh, hope to be from from Vancouver, guys like that. I think I think things will stay mostly the same, but obviously if the Stars kind of get off to a slow start, I wouldn't be surprised if there um, are some changes as far as the game plan goes. Um, I wouldn't expect it, and I'm, as of right now, hoping Rick Bonus does not get fired, as um, I think he's a great coach and a great leader of the team uh, and has been so far, and I think he will continue to be for as long as he's in the position of, of coach of the Dallas Stars. Um, so I think things will look mostly the same, just with it being the same personnel um, that Rick has been uh, working with for the past two years. And so I'm, I'm excited to see how effective the system is with a healthy and reloaded roster.
1: Excellent. And uh, obviously the next direction that we have to go is what are the expectations? And I think we always split this down uh, by looking at it. What are the expectations from a management perspective in your opinion? And what are the expectations from fans? And I would assume that the expectations are significantly higher than last
3: season. Yes, yes, absolutely. I think from a fan standpoint, the way you look at it and the way I've kind of been talking on my podcast, um, the first few episodes I've been able to put out um, is just mentioning uh, that the Stars obviously did, like we've said in, already in this interview, made around at the Stanley Cup in 2020. And then we're honestly very, very close to making the postseason um, this past season, despite injuries, snowstorms, COVID. Um, they, they were in it until the last few games of the season. And so to be that close... Um, and, and not make it was probably a blessing in disguise just because we probably wouldn't have made it very far and it would have given guys even less time to rest for this offseason. So I think the expectations are high now because after almost making the postseason last year, I think with the reloaded roster, um, healthy players, a regular schedule that isn't playing the same teams over and over and over, getting to kind of spread things out and not as many back-to-backs, hopefully. Um, I think the expectations are pretty high. I know for myself as well as other Stars fans, um, that I've heard from either on social media or I've gotten to talk to in person. Um, I, I think the expectation is to make a deep playoff run, not to just make the postseason, um, but, but to be there for a while and to make some noise in the playoffs. And I think, I mean, the same has to be said from the management perspective. I hope that that is their goal um, and that they'll make the necessary adjustments um, if that isn't happening halfway through the season, whether that's trading for another player or cutting certain players or rearranging the lineup. Um, I I would have to hope and believe that that obviously I'm not on the management team for the Dallas stars, so I can't know every single detail. Um, But in my head, that would make the most sense that seeing the talent that we do have on this roster, it's, it's make a deep playoff run, um, win the Stanley cup uh, or make a run at it at least or bust for the Dallas stars this season.
1: Awesome. Uh, Thanks so much, Dane. Before I let you go, can you plug some stuff? uh, Tell us what you got planned for as you take over the locked on stars podcast going into the season.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so recently we've been kind of been covering um, some award projections um, and then uh, kind of coming up in future episodes, we're going to be talking about um, how I think the, the conference standings are going to be shaking out. I'm kind of working on my my list for how I think the conference standings will shake out when the season ends. Um, so we're going to be talking a lot about that, as well as where some of these young players like Jason Robertson, Rupe Hintz, uh, Dennis Gurionov kind of fit in the system with some of the other guys like Tyler Sagan, Joe Pavelski, Jamie Benn, um, and how we can best shape the roster in order to be successful on the ice.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much for doing this, Dane. we really appreciate it. And best of luck to you going forward with uh, locked on stars. It's a lot of work doing these podcasts <laughs> every day during the regular season, but you seem to have everything wrapped up pretty nicely already. You did great in this interview. and hopefully if the stars really surprise people and have a great run this year, we'll bring you back on the crosscheck NHL podcast to
3: uh talk about them again yeah hopefully so that would be that would be great thank you so much andrew i appreciate it my
1: pleasure talk to you soon
0: built bar is the best tasting protein bar ever and a new and improved built bar is even deliciouser if you don't know the built bar flavor as well you're missing out as you've got coconut cherry barcia raspberry mint brownie double chocolate salted caramel strawberry orange cookies and cream and german chocolate Something for everyone with Bilt Bar, and if you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mixed box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Bilt Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. Bilt Bar is great for any health conscious person as you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. All of the Bilt Bar flavors have between 17 to 18 grams protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams sugar, and only four to five grams net carbs. All amazing flavors. All tasty, all healthy order today and get that raspberry or mint brownie or whatever you'd like all bars are covered in 100% chocolate and are soft and easy to chew so go to built.com and use the promo code locked 15 and you'll get 15% off your next order use promo code locked 15 for 15% off at built.com all right andrew it was really fun talking to at least i talked to nick uh then you talked to dane uh sad that i couldn't get to talk to one of our new locked on hosts but it was great to get to you know talk to them get to know them really exciting stuff for the locked on family and community so really exciting stuff coming down uh from the stars and the predators on our network but moving on to our pop culture segment i didn't have anything written down in the doc because i sadly didn't get to finish season one of ted lasso just yet but
1: oh, that's all right. Yeah.
0: Well, I will get to it, though. It's definitely next on my list. But I'll start with you, Andrew, to see if you have anything, and then we'll close out with me here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I watched uh, the latest episode of What If yesterday, which was, uh, I don't think you have yet, Mary, so no. I won't pull any spoilers. But it was probably the most fun one so far. It was like, uh, it was about the premise was essentially what if Thor was an only child?
0: Oh, okay. If
1: uh, Odin never adopted Loki, how would he turn out? And it turns out he would be just like a party animal, <laughs> <laughs> essentially, like a Paul brother.
0: Oh, God. And, uh, oh, no. Yeah,
1: it was really funny. But uh, yeah, it was really funny. And then the ending was like super hype. Uh, very interesting. But that that's pretty much all I think uh, I watched. I introduced my in-laws to The Expanse. Which I don't know if you've ever watched this. No, Expanse. I've heard of
0: it though. My sister and my dad have watched it. My sister and my dad love to watch TV together, and it can range from, you know, any popular show to weird stuff they find on Netflix just because. So I have heard a little bit about it, I believe, from my dad and my sister.
1: Yeah. So The Expanse is a show that started out on sci-fi, and it's a really like high concept sci-fi series, but it was cancelled, and then Amazon Prime picked it up because there was like such a huge fan response to it. And I believe it has one more season left, and then it's over. But it it's super interesting. It's based like uh, you know way off in the future, where Earth has con- or colonized Mars and also the asteroid belt. And the asteroid belt is definitely is, cer- is like uh, mining colonies. And so like Mars is now separate and its own like militaristic nation, and Earth is like not desolate but. Most people don't have jobs. It's, like, super overpopulated. Global warming's hit, so, like, whenever they show, like, a uh, an overhead of New York, there's, like, these massive barricades around everything because holding off the water. Super cool. And then the belt is, like, almost it's like slaves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They, like, are second-class citizens, and both Earth and Mars treat them like garbage. So, it's, like, the conflict between the three entities. Super fun. Super interesting. And it... Starts off the first season at such a rapid pace that uh, I got my in laws really hooked. (laughs) And it's also like a lot of Canadian involvement in this. It's filmed in Toronto. A lot of actors that are familiar to uh, people who watch Canadian content. (laughs) So it's fun that way as well.
0: Oh, that's cool. Uh, And like I said, I definitely heard of it. Uh, It's always one of those things where, like, when you get sci fi stories in that regard of like global warming, you know, moving off Earth, and I'm like, oh no. What is this our is this like I know it's sci-fi, but like is it like are we actually gonna get to that point? Because you never know with I mean, to be fair though, I think if like the actual realized version of that happens and global warming, you know, finally catches up to us and all that stuff, I think the rich would jettison themselves into space, as we've seen with, you know, what SpaceX or whatever it is. So
1: Yeah, I think one thing that kills all of that talk to me is like if you talk to actual scientists, it's like even if we really screw up on global warming, which at this point is probably unavoidable because we've pushed it too long, there is almost no point where the Earth becomes less habitable than Mars already is. Mm -hmm. So, like, the idea of colonizing Mars is like fun and interesting, it's a thought experiment, but practically, It doesn't make any sense. Yeah.
0: I just wish we did more with space. Space is so cool. And space is the best. Space is just the best. And what do we do with it? Nothing. It's a shame. Uh,
1: We throw garbage out in it. That's what we do. Yeah.
0: It sucks. Uh, I want a, you know, Star Trek version of space, please. I would like to go to space and, you know, have cool adventures. Please and thank you. Uh, 100%. But as for me, uh, the only thing I've really been consuming pop culture wise is my sister and I have finally gotten to the last episode of The Owl House, which is an animated show on Disney Plus. Well, it's not on Disney Plus, it's on Disney, but it's currently streaming on Disney Plus. Uh, and we're at the last episode before the hiatus, which I think we're going to actually watch it once I finish recording this podcast. Uh, and it is super good. Highly recommend 100% to people who like, um, you know, Gravity Falls, She-Ra, that's an animated series, you know, uh, it's got some really great representation, um, it's got some actually incredible fight sequences, which is weird if you think about it for, like, a kid's animation show, you usually don't think of them, like, having interesting fight sequences, but the reference, like, these fight sequences don't happen very often, but when they do, they're avid. they're- there's like huge animation level up in my opinion and they're obviously very anime inspired. I don't know, just the way that the the scenes are blocked and you know the characters move around in them and you know the shots that they like the camera shots I guess. I know it's animation but it's still kind of the same cinematography. It's just very gorgeous and it actually kind of blew me away a little bit because I was just so surprised that an animated show would have that much attention to detail with its fight scenes and they don't happen very often but when they do you obviously are like oh wow this actually is like really cool but i highly recommend the show it's very very enjoyable i'm sad my sister and i are gonna finish it and get to the part where the show is on hiatus and i don't know why it's coming back so disney please bring it back and it's a shame that it i don't know if it got canceled but like it's getting the rest of its second season and then the third season is like three 45 minute long specials which sucks but Disney please. I'm going to be on this train now. I'm so sad I only just got into this because I would seen people talking about it for a while and I'm just like, I'll get to it when I get to it. No, I should have been on this <laughs> earlier because Disney it's such it's such a good show. It definitely takes its references from, you know, like I said, Gravity Fall, She-Ra, Steven Universe. Uh definitely is one of those shows that is built upon others you've seen. Um, and I definitely recommend it. I don't know. Andrew, how old are your kids?
1: Four and one. Okay,
0: So definitely not for them now, but I definitely for in the future when they get a little bit older, I think is definitely for them because it's a it's a fun show. It's got some really great stuff in it. Cool. Uh, but and it's on it's on Disney, so you've probably seen it scrolling past on Disney Plus on your way to go seeing Marvel's What If. But I think that may be that may <laughs> be next on my list of things to watch because uh, I definitely am in a big animation mood now after watching this. But that's all the time we have for you today on the Crosscheck NHL Show. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make sure to follow us on your podcast platform of choice, from Apple to Odyssey to Spotify, and rate and review us while you're at it. You can follow the pod at Crosscheck NHL on Twitter. Me, at C. Clark on Twitter, and Andrew, at and Andrew Berkshire on Twitter. We'll be back on Tuesday with some more Puck Talk. See you next time. Betting on the NHL doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favorite picks, and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag, wherever you get your podcasts.